Live and festive in the Publix Holiday Headquarters studio at WSB. The shots from Syria to bots. I'll tell you the truth behind the propaganda. The Monica Perez Show starts now. This is Monica Perez, your libertarian voice on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB every Saturday from 3 to 6, more or less. I am on today from 4 to 6, and I'm uh, filling in for Mark Aram on Thursday, December 27th from 7 to 9. And then next week, December 29th, I'm on my regular time 3 to 6, and I will have the year in review. And that is a, uh, that's my end of the year show. And then I believe I'm on Sunday, January 6th from noon to three with my year ahead show, which my trusty producer, Brad Binkley, will probably uh, contribute heavily to because he is so immersed in all the stuff I can't stomach, i.e. what's uh, the, the plots on the left to gratuitously disrupt our democracy. How are you doing, Binkley? Uh, it's the holiday season, so I'm great. Oh, I'm sorry. I shouldn't I know? I just, <laughs> I actually started in the holiday spirit so early that I uh, I kind of leveled off a little bit. So maybe we'll get some Christmas tunes later, and I can get back in the back in the mood. So uh, so there's lots going on. One thing, the government is partially shut down, yada, yada, yada. What else is new? Uh, but it, there are important issues around that. Um, uh, I don't deny it. I think people get passionate about the wall. I personally, uh, having read the Council of Foreign Relations report written by William Weld and in part by Heidi Cruz, uh, talking about the North American Union and how... They were going to change. They were hoping to change all the laws of Canada, the United States, and Mexico to be the most stringent of all the laws. Would be the law they chose on services and goods and environment and labor and all that stuff, and then just allow the free flow of goods and services throughout the continent. I don't think a wall is going to matter because they're they're going to have a door in it. And they're not going to shut the door. I am a hardcore libertarian, and I do believe in the free movement of goods and services. But it's going to come along. Their plan is to use that as an excuse to normalize all of our laws to the most big government of the laws. See, that's the thing with the immigration issues. They they seem to me to always be primarily a political tool and not... um, not the primarily about immigration. So uh, I take with a grain of salt that the wall would solve our problems. Um, I'm not even sure the wall is why we are having the problem we're having with the shutdown. I, I sometimes also think that we get all the drama, the histrionics to shield us from the more important issues. Uh, and one, one of the big issues in the news this week was Trump announcing he was going to pull our troops out of Syria. Really not supposed to have troops in Syria. But what we have in Syria, Afghanistan, stuff like that. Now, that could just be a simple, uh, this is how Trump does it. And this is how he always felt. And it's totally consistent. And he would truly be my hero if we were ending our interventions in the Middle East. 
There's also the possibility that they're just regrouping, changing strategy because it's not working. Uh, I don't know. I look at Ukraine is inflaming as well. I look at Ukraine and Syria. If you look at a map, you do your reading. Those are the gateways between the gas-rich regions of Russia and the Middle East into Europe. So Ukraine has gas pipelines, and and through Syria, there's kind of a battle, tug of war, and who's going to build the gas pipelines up into Europe. So those are like critical places where the West and the coalitions that Russia's forming or leading or whatever kind of have a conflict. So they ta- tell us if it's about terrorism. I personally think it's about gas. Um but we'll see how we'll see how that shakes out. What's interesting to me though about all of that is how the liberals on the left are now saying that it's terrible of Trump to be reducing our presence in Syria because Russia. You know, because Russia likes it. You know, the the friend of our enemy is our enemy is how they're looking at it, it seems like to me. And it's really sad because it used to be that the left was the they wanted welfare, but they were against warfare and the right wanted warfare, but they were against welfare. And now both parties really support the welfare warfare super state that we have these biggest budgets ever right now. <laughs> you know, they, it's just always getting bigger. The national debt's always getting bigger, whether it's Republicans or Democrats in charge. Same thing with the warfare state. What I, I, I don't know, Binkley, if you have, I actually, I wasn't going to start with this, but I kind of feel like starting with the, with the Michael Moore stuff, because Michael Moore hits the two things I wanted to talk about today. One is that the left is for absolutely no reason except for uh, that Russia likes us stepping back from Syria. They they have no reason except for Russia that they that they don't want us to pull out of Syria. And then on the other hand, their reasons for Russia being our enemy is the is that Russia supposedly interfered with our election, but. Binkley and I both stumbled upon this independently, and it did get some press, but boy, not much, considering the implications. That the whole, I think, the whole Russian bot thing, the whole idea of Russian interference may have been exposed as a, as a in the words of the guy who did it, a false flag of the left. I'm going to explain to you how... A small example of that may blow up the whole Russian interference idea meme. Um, so I would love to uh, start with that. Binkley, is it? Did I spring that on you too quickly? Should we wait? Do you here? want some clips? Is that what you're asking? Yeah, I was thinking of some uh, of the Michael Moore clips. Yeah, I got them. All right, so so Michael Moore was on the guy. The host name was Ali Velshi. I don't know how. Do you know him? No, he's a clown. That's all you need to know. A clown named Ali Velshi was interviewing Michael Moore, and they were just, it was like every single word that Michael Moore said was ridiculous to me. It was just contradicted his own comments in the past, were inaccurate. So it's a skill, really. He's so serious (laughs) about the way he says ridiculous things. Yeah. And oh, yes, that is his skill. That's that's like politicians lying like or if you've ever known a pathological liar, like they lie to your face about something, you know, is not true. 
And because like no one really has the nerve to do that, you're, you question your own sanity. They really make you question your own sanity, some of these people. But the thing with Michael Moore is he's he's criticizing. All right, well, let's just start. Um, let's start. This was just this week, right? A couple of days ago. Yeah. I think it was right, yesterday, or, yeah, the 20th. All right, let's start with clip one. It's loading. All right. Very slowly. I was just watching the, the stuff with Madison. Um, I was in the green room back there. And I, I really, I think maybe this is the first time I've actually been frightened for the country. Frightened. Okay, I believe that you have played for me on this show, Michael Moore, saying how frightened he was for this country many times. His entire new movie is based (laughs) on the premise that Trump is going to be the last president and American democracy is destroyed. And he made it because he's so frightened, Michael Moore. He's terrified. He made it because he was frightened. But here's the thing is that it's really the content of what he was saying is that Mattis stepping down is what's frightening him. And, And here's what's crazy about that. I'm the only person that I noticed noticing that the very first act that Donald Trump made as president was to sign a law allowing a recent general to lead uh, the Defense Department. You're supposed to have civilians in charge of defense so that you don't have an overly militaristic posture. You don't want I mean, our country was founded on not even having a standing army. You just don't want that. You don't want that outlook. Uh, so to let that guy go should not be the most terrifying thing. And furthermore, Mattis is the hawk in the room. Mattis is the one who supposedly, I don't know if I believe it, resigned because Trump wanted to move the troops out of Syria. So that the arch liberal, I mean, what does he even stand for? If not, at least, uh, not wanting war. Um, Let's save. I want to go through them, but I want to do it kind of quickly. And then, I mean, we absolutely have to leave. For me, the biggest story of the week is that uh, the and it was about the Alabama race, the Roy Moore uh, Jones race, where. The the guy who wrote this huge report for the Senate Intelligence Committee that was released this week, a 100-page report on Russian interference in the 2016 election, had actually posed as uh, Russian bots to sway the election away from Roy Moore in Alabama. And he claims, I didn't mean to sway the election. I was just doing research on how Russian bots worked. But the 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 revelations of what they actually did i think there is no denying that uh these guys were posing as russian bots to discredit roy moore and furthermore i don't think this is the only time that's ever happened and uh and it's being totally whitewashed and covered up so we're not going to allow that to happen we're going to get into it uh but as part of that, I want to talk about how Michael Michael Moore and, and the left just focus on the illegitimacy of President Trump based in part on Russian interference in the election, which I think has been debunked, officially debunked. If not already, then we'll do it in the show. 
404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. This is Monica Perez. Monica Perez. You maniac! You blew it up! On News 95.5 at AM 750, WSB. We're back. All right. I want to, um, Binkley, let's play another Michael Moore clip. Number clip two. This is un-American. This hurts this country. This is, this tax cut, in a sense, an act of terror. Because it's going to make the people who are already struggling to get by that much harder to get by. And what are they going to do? What are they going to do? And to alleviate their pain... How many more of those opioid drugs are they going to need? All right, so that's terrorism. You know what I mean? That's, <laughs> that's him great. terrorizing people. Uh, like just... if you tax cuts mean people are going to use more opioids, as if there's a correlation between taxes and spending, which for anyone who's not understanding what I'm saying, we have a $20 trillion national debt. Please, God. Should there be a correlation between taxes and spending? If I if I could choose one thing to do right now on a political basis, I would have a balanced budget amendment. And then spending and taxes are related. And then people will start to care. But one has absolutely nothing to do with the other right now. And he is terrorizing us. You're saying that there's not evidence that immediately following the tax cuts, the country went on an opioid bender? Which is what he seems to be claiming in that ridiculous yes. statement that he made. Yes. So it, so without actually saying that welfare was cut, because I don't think it was, you know what I'm saying? He's saying like people are desperate because of the tax cuts. But pe- you know what I mean? Yeah. Like he's missing that. There's a missing link there. Okay. Let's do uh, clip three. We are now, with Mattis leaving, closer to Trump starting a war. Because he will have, just as he's proven with the two attorney generals that he's announced since Jeff Sessions, um, he will find the person who's going to be on his page uh-huh. and do what, does what he tells him to do. And when that means he just wakes up some morning and decides to go to war with somebody because he's so random about his behavior, that's how he does things. Um, <laughs> we're going to have a, we're going to have a defense secretary that's going to go, yes, boss. And that makes it dangerous for all of us and for the world. Well, if he's random, then he might wake up one day and do the exact opposite. Half the time he'd be doing what Michael Moore likes if he's random. Yeah, he, he's so random that he, you know, he said something about pulling people out of Syria, which right after this clip, Michael Moore starts talking about how wrong it is for him to pull out of Syria, which is crazy. It is crazy. And the, and the, uh, the, what he said before that clip, it's not, it wasn't in that clip, but he says uh, Trump is an autocrat. I got that if you want to hear that part. Oh, like, you give me those first couple of seconds of that. We have an autocrat in the White House. Anytime you have an autocrat, what do they want running the military? The person that is going to do what they tell them to do. We are now. Yeah. So an autocrat, if you know, there's not too many autocrats 
in history. The czar in Russia was an autocrat, if I recall correctly. They can do whatever they want. They don't actually have to answer to anyone. So you don't have to surround yourself with yes men because you're an autocrat. And then he goes on to say he's going to surround himself with yes men. Uh, and he's not an autocrat because the Constitution requires uh, – the legislature and I mean, it's just ridiculous, but he just says that and there's no correcting him. I mean, he's just so full of disinformation, misinformation. Uh, so let's see, do we have time for clip four? So here's the thing. Oh, I want to read, uh, Mattis's. So Mattis resigned Mattis resigned, and he said uh, in his resignation letter, he says, One core belief I have always held is that our strength as a nation is inextricably linked to the strength of our unique and comprehensive system of alliances and partnerships. While the U.S. remains the indispensable nation in the free world, we cannot protect our interests or serve that role effectively without maintaining strong alliances and showing respect to those allies. So I'm going to read... After the break, a snippet from George Washington's farewell address that absolutely flies in the face of Mattis. And I, I'm on Washington's side. So hang on for that. 800-WSP-TALK. This is Monica Perez. Live and festive in the public's holiday headquarters studio at WSB. What's this? What's this? There's color everywhere. What's this? There's white things in the air. What's this? I can't believe my eyes. I must be dreaming. Wake up, Jack. This isn't fair. What's this? What's this? What's this? There's something very wrong. What's this? There's people singing songs. What's this? This is Monica Perez. We are back. So I wanted to intersperse with this Michael Moore stuff. He's so sorry to see Mattis leave. It's so not, it just doesn't feel like the thing that, uh, that a, somebody on the left would come up with, but he's just not an ideologue more. He's a propagandist. But to reiterate, one of the things Mattis said in his resignation letter was, uh, one core belief I've always held is that our strength as a nation is inextricably linked to the strength of our unique and comprehensive system of alliances and partnerships. While the U.S. remains the indispensable nation in the free world, we cannot protect our interests or serve that role effectively without maintaining strong alliances and showing respect to those allies. But what Washington said in his farewell address was nothing is more essential than that permanent inveterate antipathies against particular nations and passionate attachments for others should be excluded. And that in place of them, just and amicable feelings towards all should be cultivated. Uh, Washington goes on to say a passionate attachment of one nation for another produces a variety of evils. Sympathy for the favorite nation, facilitating the illusion of an imaginary common interest in cases where no real common interest exists, and infusing into one the enmities of the other, betrays the former into a participation in the quarrels and wars of the latter without adequate inducement or justification. It leads also to concessions to the favorite nation of privileges denied to others, which is apt doubly to injure the nation making the concessions by unnecessarily partying with what ought to have been retained and by exciting jealousy, ill will, and disposition to retaliate in the parties from whom equal privileges are withheld. Uh, So to me, I think Washington was talking about Europe and probably England specifically and all that. But right now in the Middle East, we have, I think that's uh, probably the primary network of alliances and enmities that Mattis likes. And if you really look at our interests over there, 
it's hard to understand how those interests are in defense of the American people in America. I think it's a lot easier to understand how they're in defense of the interests of oil and gas uh, owners. Maybe that that also funnels back to England, whose involvement in the Middle East and dragging us into the Middle East, I believe, has always been around that. Um, let's go. Uh, I got a call. 404-872-0751, 800-WSB-TALK. Ed and Dawson, you're on with Monica. Yes, hi. I'm calling about this despicable story coming out of Texas where they fired a woman because she refused to sign a document promising that she will not boycott Israel. I think it was um, BBS. Um, uh, there, there's a movement called BBS. Yeah, boycott, boycott, divest, and divest sanction. Divest and yep. sanction, yeah. And I'm surprised that all these so-called freedom-loving people like yourself and all these libertarian groups are not out there raising hell about it. I just saw that headline go across my screen before I got on the air, and I wondered if it was an old story, a new story, because it was not getting press. And I believe right. the blurb I saw was that she was a Palestinian-American, or I think she was an American of Palestinian descent. A Palestinian-American, correct. Right. And for me, so that plays into the dialectic. And what makes me crazy is that when you look, this is another thing that I kind of think we're going to get into this Russian bots as false flags. But when I read really anti-Semitic or anti-Islamic stuff on the Internet, that just it's really awful. I it makes me crazy because that kind of hate makes it impossible to have a. Uh, a normal conversation to hear all sides about what might be real political machinations in the Middle East. We can't have a normal conversation about it because uh, you're always accused of hate. You know, so I I, I imagine what I don't know what they asked her to sign exactly, but my guess is it's it's it was uh, saying, you know, we want to make sure there's no anti-Semitism. But what we're really talking about, if you really analyze the issue, you're talking about a political dispute that I think BDS is trying to address. So it's just, it's all, that's why I just, I find it so damaging all the, the um, identity politics and all the venom that comes out online. People really get distracted from real policy issues. Yeah, and another thing, uh, we have an American student right now being detained in Israel because um, she uh, spoke out against Israeli Israeli occupation in the West Bank. That's another thing people are not talking about. I mean, people in this country are so afraid to criticize Israel, it's not even funny. We have that, that um, commentator from CNN, Dr. Lamont, I think it was Dr. Lamont, uh, yeah, Dr. Lamont, he criticized Israel in the uh, UN conference and they fired him too. I mean, what's going on to where we cannot criticize our country for a wrongdoing without being afraid of being fired or worse? I actually believe that um, there's a robust debate in Israel about stuff that we don't talk about here. Like, I think the Israeli people uh, come out on different political sides. Wasn't Yitzhak Rabin uh, assassinated because of differing viewpoints over how to deal with the the solution to the Israeli-Palestinian issue? I believe he, yes, was, he was by an Israeli. Yes, yes he was. So I, I myself don't wade into that too much for one big reason is I have, 
I, I think it's virtually impossible for me to really understand the politics of another country when, you know, we're busy and it's hard enough to understand our politics and all the distractions get that. that but when it starts affecting our freedom here at home, I think you should raise a voice. Well, like this is, that. yeah, and but people get very uh, emotional because of these ideas of identity hatred that make people feel threatened as a, as a people when uh, what they consider to be their protection, Israel, is uh, attacked. You know what I'm saying? Like, people get really worried personally but but i but i agree but this is one of the things that um washington said is it gives uh it says it gives ambitious corrupted or deluded citizens who devote themselves to the favorite nation facility to betray or sacrifice the interests of their own country uh without odium sometimes even with popularity uh etc but like that's what he was warning us against where if you uh, don't have a particular view about another country, you could be attacked. Whereas here, we are allowed to have different views about our own country. That just doesn't make sense. We should be able to have an open dialogue. I think the number one thing we need to do is make sure that we we take all the identity out of it, all the hate out of it, all the name-calling out of it on both sides and just talk about the right and wrong, and primarily what our interests are in the foreign policy that we promote, what our interests as the defense of American people on American soil and not American interests abroad, which then also include oil and gas countries that are domiciled here. We don't need to be spending money to protect Chevron in Ukraine, as Victoria Newland bragged to them. She said, we spent $5 billion softening up Ukraine for you. Did you see that speech? Yeah. Yes, and we spent we spent um, the exact amount um, on Israeli defense. I mean, why is Trump taking our troops out of Syria but not doing anything um, with all the money we're spending uh, with Israel? Israel is one of the most industrialized countries in the world. They're richer than most countries in Western Europe. Why are we financing their defense? I would well, never I understand. We're, I don't we're giving them billions and billions of dollars every year to finance their national defense. And they can afford it. I, I, I do think with that, there's a question of, and it goes back to Washington. It goes back to the British Empire. It goes back to, uh, is, is what's happening in the Middle East and our alliances and our foreign policy, is it really about, um, about the oil and gas being the real lever of power in the world and how we how we have a presence in the middle east i mean israel could be a puppet of the of the american anglo-american alliance you know I what i mean it's the other way around i think it we're their be. puppies it might we're be. their puppies they're getting all the benefits i mean they're getting all the benefits who's the puppet there we are well i think but i i mean i'm i I wonder sometimes, though, because the people there can't be happy with the, with the, with the violence. You know what I mean? Like the citizens. It's like Israel can do no wrong when it comes to the United States. I don't know if anybody knows about the USS Liberty. The USS Liberty was a warship that was operating off the uh, Mediterranean in 1967, and it was attacked by Israeli fighter jets. Nineteen American sailors died that day. 
Yeah, wasn't McCain's father uh, the admiral in charge of that? What's that? Didn't McCain's father, uh, wasn't he the the admiral in charge? I'm not sure. I don't think so. Oh, I think so. What I'm saying is, until today, we cannot build a monument honoring those sailors. Why? Because the Israelis were responsible for the bombing. They swept it under the rug since 1967. We can't even honor these sailors because it's just they're afraid it's going to make Israel look bad. That's how bad it's gotten. Uh, I, and I'm sick I'm of it. I'm getting it over my head because I don't know all the ins and outs of the issue. I feel like the... Um, you know, I feel like there are a lot of competing interests and that I, for one, as a libertarian, do not feel like our foreign policy, our defense should extend beyond our borders. I don't believe there is such a thing as American interests abroad. I don't believe that we can fight wars for assets in other countries. If you are uh, uh, an oil or gas company and you go into the Middle East and you're, like Trump said, well, we're, while we were in Iraq, we should have taken the oil. If you're in a foreign country and your assets are in danger, that's the chance you're taking. You can't expect us. This was a, this was a, a criticism Putin had of, uh, he didn't mention Mueller by name, but Mueller's the guy who did this, of us going to foreign countries now and prosecuting crimes, uh, crimes that are crimes here in foreign countries. So Mueller extended the FBI to foreign countries. And that's not, it's, that does not respect the sovereignty of nations. American exceptionalism is about, we are an exception to respecting the sovereignty of other nations. We can't do it that way. We have to do, I think, go read uh, George Washington's farewell address. And although I didn't love everything George Washington had to offer, it's, it is good advice about what the value is of our position in the world. And if we go out there and we put economic liberty above all else, we will be uh, uh, so prosperous, so enviable, that we don't have to go out and prosecute wars for other people or even for ourselves. The world will pivot to us because we will dominate so much. That's the, that's the road we were headed down. When people started betraying us, I, I think the British Empire was the one 100 years ago that really undermined the liberty of the American experiment and the, and the fabulous prosperity we're outpacing the rest of the world. Uh, but um, we've got lots more. I want to get into the Russian bot story. I want to get into the Michael Moore, um, more of the Michael Moore clips. Hold on, 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. This is Monica Perez. Monica Perez. Well, no one's going to top that. On News 95.5 at AM 750, WSB. So we just had a very excited call about um, what's happening in the Middle East, specifically Israel. And I had a couple of people saying they wanted to... uh, Answer that call. Rebut that call. It's not my area of expertise. I'm happy to hear a rebuttal. uh, But I am going to get back to what I was originally talking about, which is um, the idea that pulling out of Syria, for whatever reason you think we're there or whether you want us there or not there as a libertarian, there is absolutely no justification for Syria for us to be involved in Syria. 
when we entered there under the auspices of the authorization to use force, it made absolutely no sense because the Assad's were anti the Assad's father, who was de- labeled bloody Assad. It was for putting down an uprising of the Muslim Brotherhood. And the enemies of Assad are ISIS and people we claim to be our enemies, affiliates of Al-Qaeda, which is the only group we are authorized to use force against under the original authorization to use force. So we have no real justification to be there. And even if you look into the explanations of a just war uh, from a religious and moral point of view, we you cannot go out into a place where there is no real threat to you physically. And we do have the capabilities of uh, defending ourselves. So we really don't need to go to these foreign countries, blow up secular leaders like Assad, um, Gaddafi, Hussein, open the floodgates, these their uh, political prisons full of terrorists we can say well they don't have rights there but we use the threat of terrorism to curtail rights in this country we could if we spread it like wildfire when we go and blow up these stable secular countries in the middle east there is no justification for us to be there and at least the left used to be able to uh justify their own political ideology by saying we think it we don't we object to the warfare state we can't support a welfare state and a warfare state we want a welfare state only but now both parties seem to want all of it so that when trump said he wanted to take troops out of syria whether that's going to last or not i mean i think he's just i i think the powers that be are above trump and that they're regrouping but they're not going to let the middle east go uh, because it's too important. I think it's for oil and gas reasons. Uh, so so it's weird when Michael Moore uh, hits that running. We'll finish up with him, and then we'll go to the, the wild Russian bot expose after the break. So um, the... Yeah, let's do that. 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. This is Monica Perez. Live and festive in the public's holiday headquarters studio at WSB. This is your last chance. After this, there is no turning back. You take the blue pill. The story ends. You wake up in your bed and believe whatever you want. You take the red pill. You stay in Wonderland. And I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. This is Monica Perez, your libertarian voice on News 95.5 and uh, (laughs) AM 750 WSB. I am on 3 to 6 on Saturdays. Today I'm on 4 to 6. And I have, uh, I'm filling in for Mark Aram on Thursday night, 7 to 9. And I'll be back next Saturday at my regular time slot, 3 to 6. I'm here with my trusty sidekick Binkley and we both found this article in the New York Times absolutely shocking shocking and uh and for the same reasons and it's the most undercovered story of the week by far in my opinion uh the name of the article the title headline of the article secret experiment in Alabama Senate race imitated russian tactics <laughs> Yeah, and uh, and it didn't. It actually did not. So, 
Uh, but here I'll just give you one sentence, and then I actually want to read as much of the article as I can because, like, every word is uh, is a shocking, outrageous revelation or propaganda to cover up the revelation. It's being forced just to be. I almost feel like they all got together and decided that the New York Times was going to be the one to write the cover up. You know, because the, the Wall Street Journal and those guys, I didn't find any anything except for people citing the New York Times article. It's but here, unbelievable. It's unbelievable. So what so what it was is this week, the Senate Intelligence Committee released two reports on Russian interference in the 2016 election. One of the reports, a 100 page report, uh, was produced by New Knowledge, a small cybersecurity firm that this New York Times article says uh, that wrote a scathing account of Russia's social media operations in the 2016 election. This. The chief executive of New Knowledge, Jonathan Morgan, also in 2017 ran a project or participated in a project in the Alabama senatorial special election uh, with between Moore and Jones, Roy Moore and Doug Jones, where they allegedly, according to this New York Times headline, imitated Russian tactics. But they did several things, one of which... They flooded Roy Moore's Twitter account with fake Russian bots. So they they had all these Twitter accounts that they set up to look like Russian Twitter accounts. Then they got, I believe, New York Times to cover, uh, to put out, push out a lot of media. It got national media attention that Roy Moore's campaign was supported by Russia. But it wasn't. It was these guys. And their defense... Uh, And another thing they did was they set up fake conservative Facebook accounts, which they can't remember the names of. Hold on. What do you need? You want me to read a quote from it? From what? From that article? I'm reading the entire article. Oh, okay, Yeah, yeah. Okay. I'm just summarizing because if you just read the article, you're not going to understand what it's saying. So the so what what the other thing he did was set up a conservative Facebook accounts. And use that to promote write-ins for other Republicans, but also uh, there and other places spread the rumors about Roy Moore's predilection for younger, for girls, for young girls. So, but here's the thing. So what they say is, this was just research. We felt it was important to do the research in a real campaign and see how it, what impact it had. But I call complete BS on that because... First of all, if you didn't want it to have an impact, why didn't you run a similar operation on the other guy? <laughs> yeah. Right? And why did you actually use the issues that had an impact, like him liking young girls or being supported by Russia? Why not say he had a toe fungus or engaged in bribery or Doug Jones uh, has two families? You know, why, why not? And then you could actually distinguish between what you did and the real stories to see what impact it had. Piling on... You know, it's just not believable. And the real thing, it's a little subtle to get your mind around. They say that it's got Russian, they used Russian techniques. They they mimicked the Russian uh, approach to the 2016 election. But are they suggesting that the Russian approach in 2016 was to create a lot of, uh, uh, a lot of bot accounts in order to discredit Republicans, to to expose Republicans? Because that's what... That's what the Russian, the biggest impact of the Russian scandal has been 
it's impugning Trump's campaign. So I think this, and this is the guy who wrote the report on Russian interference in the Soviet State for the Senate Intelligence Committee. If this doesn't call into question the entire Russian scenario, I don't know what does. Okay. While I breathe, you can talk, Binkley. <laughs> well, in the report from the Senate Intelligence Committee, it warns of the ongoing Russian propaganda. When in the New York Times, it describes the fake Russian propaganda that the guy who wrote the Senate Intelligence Report reported on. So the ongoing propaganda was written by the same guy. I have no idea what you're saying. The guy warned of propaganda coming from the Russians when right. then he posted in a New York Times article about how he created fake propaganda coming from the Russians. So is he warning us against him? Oh, yeah. Yes. Actually, they're, they're saying, let this be a warning to you. Let, let, listen to the article. The, the article, the revelations are alternating with propaganda like I've never seen it. So like I normally would just skip all the propaganda, but the propaganda is half of what's so fascinating about this article. Uh, so just from the top, um, as Russia's online election machinations came to light last year, a group of Democratic tech experts decided to try out similarly deceptive tactics in the fiercely contested Alabama Senate race, according to people familiar with the effort and a report on its results. I mean, a fiercely contested race is the last place you want to try something out that, according to them, they did not want to have an effect. It says the secret project carried out on Facebook and Twitter was likely too small to have a significant effect on the race. This is a commentary. This is just in the article. It doesn't say who, what. Why was it likely not to have an effect? Social media is so powerful. Trump supposedly won the entire election without spending any campaign money based purely on use of free media. Right. Yeah. Isn't that the story? Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, the Democrat candidate, it was designed to help. Doug Jones edged out the Republican Roy Moore. I mean, edged him out. Edged How did they out? know it didn't have an effect? Of course. It, it, it didn't have a significant effect, yet Jones only edged out the Republican. It, it really did. He won by fewer votes than the write-in votes were. I think they're like getting ahead of this because people are recognizing that they're using the exact same tactics that they are accusing other other countries of using. Yeah, I mean, and now I'm thinking it's all it's all made up. So it was a sign. This is this is the thing. But it was a sign. It didn't have much of an effect, but it was a sign that American political operatives of both parties have paid close attention to the Russian methods, which some fear may come to taint elections in the United States. <laughs> really like the election that it tainted that you're reporting on right now. Yeah, you're, you're not one of the people who fear it may because it just did. One participant in the Alabama project, Jonathan Morgan, is the chief executive of New Knowledge, a small cybersecurity firm that wrote a scathing account of Russia's social media operations in the 2016 election that was released this week by the Senate Intelligence Committee. Uh, an internal report on the Alabama effort obtained by The New York Times says explicitly that it experimented with many of the tactics now understood to have influenced the 2016 elections. So what that just said was... Jonathan Morgan's company had to release, you know, there was an internal, I don't know, had to. It said there was an internal report. Somebody wrote a report about the project in Alabama. It was probably leaking. Probably somebody figured it out. Uh, and they, they're saying that Jonathan Morgan, who wrote this Senate Intel Committee report about elections two years ago, one year ago, 
experimented with many of the tactics now understood to have influenced the 2016 elections. But just innocently experimented with them. By coincidence, as <laughs> yeah. they were studying. And they, okay. Uh, it involved a scheme to link the Moore campaign to thousands of Russian accounts that suddenly began following the Republican candidate on Twitter, a development that drew national media attention. Obviously, they drew, they drew the attention. Oh, this is what he says. He says, this is, uh, the report says, we orchestrated an elaborate false flag operation that planted the idea that the Moore campaign was amplified on social media by a Russian botnet. That's unbelievable. <laughs> I know. And they admit it got national media attention. Of course it did. Possibly ruining this guy's life with some of these accusations. And they're saying it didn't have an effect at all. Right. Between Russia and the underage thing and the right-in candidates splitting the ticket for the Republicans, the three things that lost the election for more, which Garland from Voter GA, who does not come out partisan-wise on, like, calling uh, fraud or whatever, like, when he questions an election, he, he thinks Ossoff beat Handel. First and second time. He thinks Moore beat Doug Jones. I mean, Sessions won as a Democrat that seat with 90% of the vote. Yeah. I mean, did they double the electorate? You know what I mean? Like, how did he lose, right? And so the little differences, and sometimes I think... You don't even have to lose the vote or win the vote if you can plausibly argue the outcome, which yeah. would have been very hard to do. To lose session seat to a Democrat, very hard to comprehend. So yeah. this this was probably just a way to set up a legacy of why he lost. One of the reasons they say that, that he won, that Roy Moore lost, is that they – targeted African-American communities and got more of them to come out and vote. That is what that whole document from the Senate Intel talks about, is that the propaganda has is the majority of it has been targeting African-American communities. But I, I didn't do the numbers for Alabama, but my guess is that the Alabama numbers, that just can't be right. I mean, that can't be enough of an explanation. Yeah. They had to have flipped a lot of Republicans, a lot of Sessions voters. Yeah. I think it's crazy that this guy is basically saying that, oh, we just innocently accused him of being a pedophile repeatedly over and over again in the national media. Say that again. I think it's just crazy that this guy is basically saying, yeah, we just innocently tested this thing out where we accused someone of being a pedophile. Well, this is what the next thing says. As Mr. Morgan said, he could not account for claims in the report, in the report by his own organization he could not account for the claims in the report that the project sought to enrage and energize democrats and depress turnout among republicans partly by emphasizing accusations that mr moore had pursued teenage girls when he was a prosecutor in his 30s he said the research project was intended to help us understand how these kinds of campaigns operated we thought it was useful to work in the context of a real election but designed it to have almost no impact it's just not believable. Hold your shock. Your 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 jaws hanging open. Hold on. Let's finish it after the break. Uh, Eight hundred WSB Talk. This is Monica Perez. Monica Perez. Wow, that was intense. On News ninety five five at AM seven fifty WSB. What we're talking about. What happened in the Roy Moore election. 
that Jonathan Morgan, who just whose whose company just wrote one of the two Senate Intelligence Committee reports on Russian interference in the 2016 election, that guy set up fake Russian bot accounts to discredit Roy Moore in the election, spread rumors that he liked teenage girls when he was in his 30s, and and claims that he did not intend it to influence the election. And I would just like to ask, first of all, this article is in the New York Times. It's not even covered in the Wall Street Journal. Certainly, I just searched on the Wall Street Journal's page for any of this stuff. I see none of it. And uh, I would like to know if they really didn't want it to affect the election, why did they pick all the issues that actually cost Roy Moore the election? And why did they only do it to Roy Moore instead of, for safety's sake, having an offsetting campaign against Doug Jones like he has another family somewhere? You know, or right. he did drugs or or, or that he, he's a pedophile or you know? he, it was really him with Blasey Ford. It's just unbelievable. Say just say that. Even if it's not true. That's what they're saying. They, they, they said stuff they knew was not true because, eh, what difference does it make? I mean, that's libel, right? Or slander or whatever. The only thing that was talked about when it came to that election was the fact that Roy Moore likes young girls. That's all so the, the media Russian talked about. The Russian bot stuff, I remember. And, and I remember the Russian, the Russian bot stuff. stuff. Yeah. That, that was the entire narrative. And here's this guy saying that they, you, they created that narrative as part of a propaganda campaign that they blamed on the Russians. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's mind blowing. And this is the guy who's writing the writing the book on Russian interference without mentioning that part in it. He wrote the Senate Intel report. How are we supposed to read that thing with any kind of credibility? When he leaves out the only proven Russian bot he knows, which is himself. Yeah, yeah. You know. Uh, let's see. Let's see. Let's see. Um, oh, the project had a budget of just a hundred thousand dollars. Uh, in a campaign that cost $50 million, which in itself is kind of crazy that that campaign was $50 million. That's how important that campaign was. Uh, and then in every, like every page of this article, one of the sentences, one of the paragraphs starts with, however modest, the influence effort in Alabama may be a sign of things to come. Not a sign of things to come, things that are here. It says campaign veterans in both parties fear the Russian example may set off a race to the bottom. It's not the Russian example. It's the sample, the example set by Jonathan Morgan in the Alabama race, which was almost too close to call. Yeah. I mean, we've been training agents in the CIA to do this since the 1940s. So this isn't the Russian tactic. Oh, yes. We talked about that last week, did we not? Yeah. In your Intel archive. See how timely that was? That's right. <laughs> it was very timely, actually. So, so then they have a Republican adding to the cover-up here, saying, some will do whatever it takes to win, said Dan Bans, a Kentucky-based Republican consultant. You've got Russia, which showed folks how to do it. Meh. Not so much. Maybe right? he's talking about the Russian Revolution in 1917. <laughs> Maybe. You've got consultants willing to engage in this type of behavior and political leaders who apparently find it futile to stop it. Okay. So the Russians <laughs> thought it up. The consultants are uh, willing to do it. And politicians who would try their very best to stop it just, just throw their hands up because they just, I mean... Gosh darn it, how is a mere politician supposed to fight campaign fraud? <sighs> anyway, <laughs> um, 
He uh, Joe Trippi, a seasoned Democratic operative, said it was impossible that a one hundred thousand dollar operation had an impact on the race. Impossible. It, impossible. This is a New York Times article. Every other sentence, every other paragraph tells you, don't worry. Uh, it's not reasonable to say it was impossible for that. Trump won spending nothing. That's the official yeah. story. Yet the tiny amount that the Russians allegedly spent on the $6.5 billion national campaign, that definitely affected the election. This is impossible here, though. Oh, yeah, that's true. This is actually bigger proportionally than the entire operation the Russians are accused of. Okay, right back. 800 WSB Talk. This is Monica Perez. Live and festive in the public's holiday headquarters studio at WSB. Monica Perez. Yeah, well, you know, that's just like... uh, your opinion, man. On News 95.5 at AM 750, WSB. So I hope we have enough time to get to all of this article, but I just want to reiterate, uh, we're reading about a the company, New Knowledge, the chief executive of that company, Jonathan Morgan. Uh, New Knowledge just wrote one of the two reports released by the Senate Intelligence Committee this week about Russian interference in the 2016 election. Uh, A different report came out simultaneously saying that Jonathan Morgan ran a fake Russian bot campaign against Roy Moore in the Alabama election to make Roy Moore look like he was supported by Russia when he wasn't. And he's being accused, Jonathan Morgan, of copying Russian tactics. But I'll tell you, Russian tactics are not to pretend to be Russian to discredit the people they like. That's what Binkley and I both pegged as black propaganda he jonathan morgan himself called it a false flag you put you say that you're the other guy and then you do something stupid uh so so this guy joe trippy a democratic operative said it was as quoted in this new york times article about this story it's not even in the wall street journal saying it was impossible that a $100,000 operation had an impact on the race. But I would say that's not true because they got tons and tons of free press on the on the rumors they were spreading about Roy Moore and young women, uh, all of that. And he said, uh, he said, this guy Trippy said, I think the big danger is somebody in this cycle uses the dark arts of bots and social networks, and it works. Then we're in real <laughs> trouble. Well, but- like him? This did work. Yeah. It did work. It worked. Everything they did were the exact things that that made it plausible that Roy Moore lost. I'm not even sure Roy Moore lost, but okay. Despite its small size, this every other paragraph, like I said, starts with really tiny. nailing that point home, aren't they? <laughs> right. Uh, the Alabama Project brought together some prominent names in the world of political technology. They just dabble in teeny, meaningless things. Why, if this was the research? for how bots work, which is what Jonathan Morgan is claiming, would it be funded by Reid Hoffman, the billionaire co-founder of LinkedIn, who has sought to help Democrats catch up with Republicans in their use of online technology? (laughs) Because Obama could have learned a thing or two from McCain. (laughs) All right, so then the money passed through American Engagement Technologies, uh run by Mikey Dickerson, the founding director of the United States Digital Service. So that's a front organization is what they're describing. American Engagement Technologies is a front organization, but United States Digital Service was created during the Obama administration to try to upgrade the federal government's use of technology. So this is an Obama operative. Sarah Hudson, a former Justice Department fellow, now with Investing in Us, a tech finance company partly funded by Mr. Hoffman, another front, probably, worked on the project along with Mr. Morgan. 
of a new knowledge. A close collaborator of Hoffman, Dmitry Melhorn, Dmitry. Hmm. <laughs> Sounds Russian. <laughs> the founder, I'm just kidding. The founder of Investing in Us said in a statement, so a close collaborator of Mr. Hoffman, Dmitry Melhorn, is the founding is the founder of Investing in Us. So it's for sure a front organization. Um, in a statement, uh, is in a statement, this is very interesting. It says, in a statement that our purpose in investing in politics and civic engagement is to strengthen American democracy. That's really ridiculous. Uh, the Alabama project got started as Democrats were coming to grips with the Russians weaponizing of social media to undermine the presidential campaign of Hillary Clinton. Uh, Mr. Morgan reached out at that time when they decided to do this to Renee DeResta, who would later join his company, New Knowledge, and was the lead author of the report to the Senate. (laughs) So the person that he recruited to work on this bot project also happened to write the report that doesn't mention this. Okay. Uh, So, but here's something... Interesting. Uh, Mr. Morgan confirmed that the the project created a generic Facebook page to draw conservative Alabamans. Um, He said he couldn't remember its name. So his argument is that this is all research for his like to see how things affect elections. But he doesn't know what page he created. Like he doesn't have the analytics. Yeah, it's too hard. It's just a harmless little pedophile accusation. He says, uh, Mac Watson, one of the multiple write-in candidates, contacted the page, Mr. Morgan says, but we didn't do anything on his behalf. But the report says that, that they did do, that they boosted, that they agreed to boost Mr. Watson's campaign. Um, they stayed in regular touch with him, and they were treated as advisors and go-to media contacts for uh the writing candidate the facebook pages operator so this is a guy who was a a writing candidate drawing votes away from roy moore on the republican side it says the facebook pages operators asked mr watson whether he trusted anyone to set up a super PAC that could receive funding so they asked him to set up a front operation that they were going to fund Right. I think that's what that's saying. Am I reading that right? That's what it sounds like to me. Just like investing in us and all the other front operations they were using to bury the operation that they designed to have no impact at all, but to study the effects of social media. I mean, this is unbelievable. This should be the main story in the national media right now. At least on Fox, right? Yeah. Overall Street Journal. Why? Why are they not talking about it? Ah, anyway, um, uh, it says Roy Moore was flooded with fake Russian Twitter followers reported the New York post, (laughs) right? So that's how it worked. Roy Moore's Twitter, Roy Moore's Twitter account ballooned and then they immediately like debunked his Twitter account as not really having real followers, but yeah. having Russian bot followers. And that was all orchestrated by these guys, but it was picked up in the New York post national media. They didn't pay for that. No, oh, they didn't gosh. pay for the 10,000 panel discussions that CNN had about Roy Moore and his, uh, how he likes young girls. Moore's campaign manager complained to Facebook about potential chicanery. That's a good word. Yeah, but they did nothing. They didn't launch a Senate investigation into it, believe it or not.
But Doug, Doug Jones is outraged. Of course, they would never tell him. I don't think he was in on it. I can't imagine that they would tell him. Uh, but he did win, and he won by, uh, uh, if he won at all, it was by a margin. It was the same number of votes as the write-in votes. Like there was, so to the extent there were write-in votes, if they were all generated by this thing, I don't know. May I read to you a quick sentence from the OSS manual? I don't have our sound yeah. effect yet. I, I've Is been this looking our for Intel one. archive? The Intel archives. Should... The OSS manual from 1943, okay. mm-hmm. they give the properties of a good rumor in spreading misinformation. This is what they trained OSS agents to do. It says, the number one property of a good rumor is plausibility. A plausible rumor is tied to some known facts, yet incapable of total verification. It may exaggerate, but stops short of the incredible. It frequently appears inside the story. So with Moore, he did uh, ask for the hand in marriage of a... A woman in her late teens, asked yeah. the dad, right, when he was in his 30s, mm-hmm. and he did marry somebody younger than yeah. he was, right? So that would provide the kernel of plausibility that the rumor mongering these people spread, not intending for it to have any effect, of course. <laughs> right. Right. So why didn't they do a rumor that he was a shape-shifting lizard? Yeah, I would have liked to have seen that. Yeah. I mean, then they would know which rumor had, you know what I mean? Yeah. They could not possibly be testing tactics when they were just piling on the thing that was had momentum. But listen to this in a different article. Washington Post has got is burying this little tidbit. It says the involvement of Morgan in questionable tactics has caused concern among fellow social media researchers, most of whom studiously avoid using the disinformation tactics they study, even on a small <laughs> even on a small scale. They even the post is, always say even on a small scale, right? Morgan was part of a research team that developed the Hamilton 68 dashboard, which you told us about on our podcast, The Propaganda Report, right, Binkley? Yeah, that was supposed to be something that trap, that tracks Russian propaganda. Did they just say that they studiously try not to use the tactics that they study? Yes, they studiously avoid using the disinformation tactics. It's such tactics a joke. It's such a joke. Well, you know what's funny is that I don't even studiously avoid using those tactics, yet... I don't use those tactics. Yeah. Although I, I think I've been accused of using those tactics. Let me finish this paragraph and then I'll tell you when I, how I think I'm being set up by Russian bots. Uh, Morgan was part of a research team that developed the Hamilton 68 dashboard, a project of the German Marshall Fund's Alliance for Securing Democracy that seeks to track trends in Russian disinformation. But what's hilarious is that that's an organization designed to promote transatlantic cooperation. It's foreign, (laughs) you know, it's Americans, I think, funded supposedly, but it is effectively for foreign cooperation. Uh, So, but here, I can't, did I lose it? The email that I got, I tracked it down. It was from January 2018. Uh, I got an email. So if you recall, we were totally purged by WordPress. Everything associated with me with, was purged by WordPress because I put a picture up a long time ago and immediately got a thing saying, oh, uh, you're accused of violating copyright with that picture. We think you're, you're news. That's news. It was a picture in a news outlet. You should keep it up. We've defended people before. We're going to defend you. We'll let you know what happens. So I said, okay, you know, whatever. I just ignored it. And then six months later, or however long it was, uh, I was wiped off of WordPress, and everything I was associated with was wiped off of WordPress. 
So I remembered that in January 2018, I got an email from Twitter, which was similarly dismissive. But now I'm wondering if maybe people like Jonathan Morgan are conducting a little trap for me. So it's a Dear Monica Perez as part of our recent work to understand Russian-linked activities on Twitter during the 2016 U.S. presidential election. We identified and suspended a number of accounts that were potentially connected to a propaganda effort by a Russian government-linked organization known as the Internet Research Agency. And I will tell you that the, the, the document that was produced by... Um, Jonathan Morgan is called uh, the tropes of or whatever of the Internet Research Agency. It talks specifically about the Internet Research Agency. That was what his 100-page report was about, just the Internet Research Agency. Consistent with our commitment to transparency, we are emailing you because we have reason to believe that you either followed one of these accounts or retweeted or liked content from these accounts during the election period. Retweeting things. I retweet things that... Simply for the purpose of saying, can you believe this propaganda? I retweet stuff all the time solely for the purpose of pointing out how ridiculous it is. So if I retweeted something, I'm implicated in this. Yeah. Do, do you ever see people write? It's retweet? not an endorsement necessarily. Yes, of course. Yeah. That's their thing. It's purely for your own information purposes. This is the trap. This is where the WordPress did the same thing. This is purely for your information. It's not related to a security concern for your account. We're sharing this information so you can learn more about these accounts and the nature of of the Russian propaganda effort. You can see examples of content from these suspended accounts on our blog if you're interested. Et cetera, et cetera, yours truly. Tweetmaster. Do you think that the person who conducted this experiment got one of those emails from Twitter? Or 10,000 of these emails from Twitter? Yeah. Since oh, they're right. all yeah. bots. <laughs> yeah. No, but I feel like this, I think Jonathan Morgan and his operatives may have tweeted at me. And if I just replied to it, liked it, I, I, I like basically every tweet that I read because I'm like, hey, I saw that. Thank you for tweeting me. I like it. It's interesting. Blah, blah, blah. I mean, whatever. So uh, I'll give you, you pick out what you think is the grand finale. We, we did get through that article, but let's take a break. And then uh, we'll, what you think is the most, frankly, the most significant thing out of this story. 404-872-0750. This is Monica Perez. Monica Perez. It's a man house! A man house! On News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. Wrapping it up, we are filling in for Mark Aram. Thank you very much. Uh, Thursday, December 27th from 7 to 9. And we are going to be back at our regular time, 3 to 6, next Saturday, December 29th. And uh, so, Binkley, what's your what what's your big takeaway from this? From, okay, so first of all, many. what we're talking about is... That Roy Moore in the election, in case you're just tuning in, if you want to hear this whole podcast from the beginning, it'll be up on Propaganda Report at Libsyn or whatever. Go to just Google I'll tweet Propaganda. it out after yeah, the show. At Freedom Act Radio, I'll tweet it out. So you can listen to the podcast for that commercials. Um, so Roy Moore's campaign, which he lost against Doug Jones, uh, Democrat operatives posed as Russian bots to discredit him, and they also spread rumors about him as being a pedophile and a bunch of stuff that actually got him to lose the election. And then it's being completely pushed down, whitewashed and act like it made, had no impact. And I just find that impossible to believe. So, okay. What's your takeaway, Binkley? 
Well, here we have the writer of a Senate Intel report on Russian interference admitting that he and his group created rumors through front organizations that Roy Moore is a pedophile, which was one of the main narratives in the national media at the time. And a lot of people believe that, without a doubt, believe that today. Yes, and... This falls under the classification of defamation, which I was talking about last week when Hillary having fangs dripping with blood violates defamation. They have a cause of action because the definition is you say something untrue that damages your reputation, costs you. Right. And Roy Moore might be a creepy guy, but the fact is... He might be, but... Yeah, the pedophile accusations are a rumor. And this guy is admitting to spreading them. How can we trust anything in this Senate Intel report after reading this article? Yeah, I agree. Like that's it should be totally discredited that report and uh and we should really call into question what what is the nature of our evidence of Russian bots, the origin of the so-called Russian bots. I agree that we should be questioning that. I mean, you could see a list of like IP addresses and could you or I tell you a I personally can't read an IP address. Maybe I don't even know if I've ever like read every character to the end. I might at the end say a person's name, address, and phone number. I really don't know. I never look at them. But aren't they, and the final analysis just squiggles on a page that somebody could create. Like what is the evidence they're talking about? Yeah. And and when you see that this operation was pushed down through numerous front or operations, organizations, and that they they tried to create front organizations for opposing Republicans... This New York Times article is the best evidence of election interference that we have to date. They, because they expose themselves. Yes, election inter- they expose election interference, and these guys use the New York Times, the New York Post to spread to magnify, amplify what they did. So they're like, "We only spent a hundred thousand dollars," but don't forget uh, the most. I believe that Obama's most effective, like. Uh, campaigning was the low budget social media stuff and trump of course spent nothing and all all of his uh media attention was just amplified free media in the news which he writes about in his book as the best free press is the best press and it looks like it looks like news yeah that's the thing to get the new york times to write an article about the russian bots uh being moore's everybody repeating it lends it credibility Ah, wow. All right, so tweet it out, at Freedom Act Radio. Until next time, this is Monica Perez.